Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my fantasy baseball content is over there. My threads, my articles, these shows get posted out there every Monday through Friday. So go ahead and check it out. Throw me a follow over on Twitter. We're going to be doing what we usually do here on Friday, well, what we usually do here every day, which is look back on the previous day's top performers, go through the waiver wire, evaluate who's being added, who's being dropped. And of course, because it's Friday, we will look at some weekend streamers and of course, the matchup of the night. And I was going through those this morning. There's a couple of pretty good matchups. There's nothing really that blows you away, but we'll go through a couple of the uh, the better matchups that we have coming at us tonight. Every game is a night game tonight, starting at the earliest, 6.40 p.m. Eastern time, and then everything uh, past that. It's typical for a Friday, everything at the same time. I tend to prefer when you have it a little more spread out throughout the day, honestly. Uh, you know, a couple games at one, a couple at two or three, four. Just, I find it easier, obviously, to consume the content that way. When, it, you know, when there's 13 games on at one given time, it's pretty hard to be able to focus on more than one, maybe two. So it's hard to actually evaluate everything other than just going through StatCast and fan graphs and whatnot. I like to actually, you know, I obviously use those resources, but it's nice to see parts of games at least, you know, even just an inning out of a pitcher, just to see roughly what they have going on or a couple of bats out of a particular player. It's going to be a bit harder tonight, but there's still some interesting stuff that will be going on. So let's start first off with looking back on yesterday's top performers. Framber Valdez did it again. He's been excellent now going back. Really, the entire season, there's one start, the entire year, one start where he has allowed more than three earned runs, and it was all the way back on April the 18th against the Angels. He's been like the face of consistency, really, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe now he's started to be appreciated a little bit more for Amber Valdez, but there was a good while where people were looking at him as more of a, yeah, he's okay, like obviously rosterable player. You have to have to roster him going back to last year, obviously throughout this season, He's not someone that was like, you know, widely available or anything, but I just feel like people viewed him as like a, yeah, he's nothing too special, but he's been like, really, like I said, the whole year is just so consistent. Every time out is a quality start. Every time out, literally going back to that start against the Angels, he is a quality start in every game. Just make sure I'm not reading this wrong. It feels crazy, but he has a quality start in literally every game going back to April 25th. It's it's hard to believe, really, but it's it's what I'm looking at here. It's I don't think anybody else has as many quality starts as him. But also, I don't think that anybody else really can do what he does to this degree. I mean, the ground balls are obviously huge for him. He's not a massive strikeout pitcher. 
but he is able to have success every time out, regardless of who he's facing. Last night it was Texas. He went seven innings, gave up four hits, zero earned runs. He walked one batter, he hit one batter, and he struck out eight while throwing 103 pitches. It was actually his highest scoring fantasy game going back like a couple of months to the end of May. So this was a great outing against Texas. He hasn't had the hardest level of competition recently, to be fair. But I mean, like I said, this has gone on the whole year. Uh, Even if you look back at his most recent start against the Mets, it was eight innings. Uh, Time before that against the Yankees, it was six innings, uh, three earned runs, like He's able to do this against poor teams and against good teams. He's one of the players that I have the most confidence in heading into the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs. Now, obviously, I don't like him more than guys who will talk about, you know, consistently here, Verlander and Cease and McClanahan and whoever else. But he just has a very high floor where we've seen it, especially recently with McClanahan. There's been some struggles. Not that I would take necessarily Valdez over McClanahan, but... I don't know, honestly. I mean, if you're talking about like the last couple of weeks of the season, if it's just one start here or one start there, I don't think it's as black and white as you might think it is, especially when you factor in the Rays and their the weird shit that they usually do with openers and, you know, limiting innings and stuff. I think Valdez is honestly like top 15 or so pitcher the rest of the way. Like, I think even maybe pushing close to top 10. And that... Maybe I don't have everybody listed out here in front of me. That's just kind of off the top of my head. But he's just been so great. It's hard not to put him inside that top, at very least, like top 15, 16 pitchers uh, in baseball. I'll go through it this weekend maybe, and we'll do a proper full-on look at it. But there's not many people who can say that they've been as solid as Valdez this season. Let's talk about Edward Cabrera because he has also been fantastic since he's come back from the IL. He threw five and two-thirds yesterday. He got the victory. He allowed three hits, two walks, and struck out six. Now, Edward Cabrera, I'm going to check now because when I checked this morning, uh, I still thought there would be some more ads coming through. So let's see now. 45% only for Edward Cabrera on Yahoo. I thought we'd see a lot higher than that today. Like, there's not... People th- people think that there's like a lot of options available on the waiver wire for pitchers, especially someone who has shown what um, Edward Cabrera has shown us. There's really not anybody with that kind of upside. There are pitchers who I really like on the waiver wire. Your Aaron Ashby's, um, he's like a main one who's very widely available still. Obviously, you guys know Alex Cobb and Alex Wood. I've gone on about. But a young stud like Cabrera, who has performed the way he has, especially in these last couple of outings, I can't imagine why he is still available in so many places. A 2.05 ERA, a 1.03 whip, despite having a very high walk rate. He's been excellent. We've seen it with the Marlins now for a couple of seasons. They're really developing pitching well. I don't see any reason why Edward Cabrera should be available in any standard size league. I talked about this on Twitter yesterday. Uh, pretty much everybody's been talking about it since yesterday, or at least you know today. Th- he needs to be added. Uh, there's definitely a worse pitcher on your team if you're in a 12-teamer than Edward Cabrera. Now, it's probably not too many. It's probably maybe one or two guys, but make that swap. I'm happy to answer any questions if you guys want to shoot them over on Twitter or at me on Twitter, whatever. I am I am all in on Edward Cabrera here for these last few weeks. Let's talk about Stephen Kwan now. He hit a home run and stole a base last night, and he has been really, honestly, excellent for this last month plus. We talked about him like a ton in those first maybe six weeks or so of the season as someone who might be able to turn into a Michael Brantley type with a very high batting average, maybe 10 home runs, 15 steals, and bat 300 for you. There's definitely a place for someone like that. 
the home runs weren't really there, and they, they're still not there. He only has three for the season. But he's been able to help you out a lot in other categories, specifically batting average. Runs have been pretty good, especially recently. And even those 10 steals, that's, that's not too bad here. Uh, I was hoping for maybe a little bit more, but he's never a massive, huge steal guy in the minor leagues. It was usually in the teens somewhere. So if he is able to end up stealing maybe 15, 13, 15 bases, I think we have to consider that a win. He's batting for the season right at 300 right now. He's got himself back up there after batting 340 for the last month. And in that in that month, he has 20 runs scored, two homers, five steals. Now, you can't really, if he doesn't hit another home run this season, do not be surprised at all. That's, that's the likely outcome is that there's maybe one more home run for Stephen Kwan. That wouldn't be why you're adding him. You'd be adding him, like I said, for a little bit of a boost in runs. You're getting a primary leadoff hitter. You're getting a few steals, and you're getting a good batting average there. If you're in an OBP league, it helps even more. If you're in points leagues where there's negatives or strikeouts, he's nice there as well because he doesn't really strike out that much. He, he walks nearly as much as he strikes out. Or honestly, I haven't looked at his percentages here. He might be maybe just slightly striking out more than he walks. Uh, let's see here. Strikeout percentage is 8.8, .8, and he walks 9.8% of the time. So he's actually walking more than he is striking out. Very rare. I love Stephen Kwan. I loved him at the beginning of the year, and there's actually one points league where I held on the entire year. I haven't been so active in that one, so there was probably a point where I should have dropped him. But it's a deep points league. It's a 12-teamer, but there are 30 players on each roster. It's, a, it's, a, it's not like a huge league, but the player pool is like about 400 players are rostered. So it's not when you count IL and everything else. I don't think that I needed to drop him, but I'm pretty happy that I kept on, uh, held on to him at this point. He is rostered in 58% of Yahoo leagues. Now, when we had Paul Sporer on a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Stephen Kwan and where we see him value-wise. And he's definitely, if you're in a 15-team league or a five-outfield league, must-roster player. I probably don't even have to tell you that. I think he's honestly, at this point, Worked his way into three outfielder territory, especially for Roto teams who really need to make up some batting average and some steals down the line here, and even runs. Uh, like, he's not going to be a home run and RBI contributor. But if you need to make up some ground there, specifically in runs and batting average, I think Stephen Kwan is about as good of an option as you're going to find right now who has some consistency uh, or who can have some consistency for the rest of the year. This isn't going to be like you know, adding the hottest player kind of thing and just writing it out. Like, this is kind of who he is, very high batting average. I, I like him as an ad personally in 12-teamers uh, in at this point. Now, maybe maybe he's a fringy 12-team guy, and I'm letting my, my bias for him take over here. I think that it's totally reasonable to roster him in 12s. Now, if you're talking 10s, no, but 12 and above, I can, you can absolutely roster Stephen Kwan and be fine with it. Just make sure that you have power in other areas because that's one thing that he's not going to do whatsoever. The home run yesterday is very nice. Do not expect it to happen really at all anymore. Because Manny Grandal, he went three for five yesterday. It's his second straight multi-hit game. He also hit a home run. Most people, well, maybe not most people, but a lot of people have given up on Grandal for the season. There's, there's only a certain point where you can push someone until it's like, no, nah. he's batting 204 for the season. It was under 200 up until yesterday. Three homers, 21 RBIs. He's missed a lot of time, but he still has 230 at-bats. And I just want to compare this with you guys from last season. He had 279 at-bats last season. So we're looking at about 50 more than what we have so far this year. He had 60 runs last season in those 279 at-bats. He has nine 
this season. He had 23 home runs last season. He has three this season. He had 62 RBIs last season and 21 this season. The one area where he's better this season is he had zero steals last year. He's got one this season. So God bless. He's got a stolen base. Last year, he batted 240, and this season, 204. It's really it's shocking how much worse he really has been. And, like, it's a similar number of at-bats. Like, yeah, you, some people are thinking, oh, it's 50 more at-bats. But, like, 50 more at-bats isn't going to get you 51 more runs. Like, it's just – I don't understand how he is that much worse. He's not that old where you'd think, like, oh, this is a cliff that he fell off. Like, I, I don't really understand how he can be this bad. Now, if you've held on this long, I would keep holding on. You know, maybe these last couple of games are a sign that he will turn things around. We're still seeing him walk at a high rate, not as high as usual, but 12% is still pretty high. I mean, just com- for comparison, last season, he walked 23% of the time. Now, his first career, he's about 14.5%. You'll still take 12.2. It's, not, it's, it's more than, it's above average walk rate, well above average walk rate. The fact that it's fallen off is not, you know, the greatest thing. His BABIP isn't great, but it wasn't great last year. Like, there, I have arguments on both sides here for either A, drop Grandall, he's not worth it anymore, or B, like, he can turn it around here. There's no one with that kind of upside catcher position. I hear both sides of it for me. I think that it really depends on the other catchers that you have or that are available. If you're in a two-catcher format, uh, Yasmany Grandal is a must-roster player. You have to still keep him in two-catcher leagues. Now, maybe if it's an eight-team two-catcher league, then you could say no, but... I think for the most part in those formats, he's going to have to be rostered. If we're talking one catcher, I, I, it's, it's honestly hard for me to even know what to say here for one catcher. Like 12-team league, is he a one-catcher guy? I have him on one or two of my 12-team leagues, but the thing is I don't need him on those in those leagues. I have him in one league where I have Dalton Varsho as my primary catcher and Grendahl who's injured and he's just kind of been – a fill-in guy, and I have him in another league as well, where Alejandro Kirk is my primary catcher, and Grandal has been a guy I've used at first here and there, but I really don't need him. Uh, those leagues I'm both doing pretty well, so I'm not worried so much here about burning a roster spot for a lack of production. I'm going to make the playoffs in both of those leagues, so I'm not really you know, looking for every little tiny bit of production to squeak in. I'm in first place in one league and third place in the other league. So I've held him there because it's more like I don't need him. It's more of just like I'm hoping that later on in the year we're going to get something better out of him. Now, if you do desperately need to try and make the playoffs, if we're talking head-to-head, or even if it's Roto and you just can't afford to take the zero right now, then maybe you consider dropping him. And not that it's a zero, but it's been a very low level of production. What I'd recommend is you wait it out for maybe another week or so because these last couple of games, like I said, multi-hits in both of them, I'd see if this is some kind of course correction that he can maintain the rest of the year um, before I would drop him. That would be my recommendation. For the most part, to hold on. If you're desperate, though, then I don't, I don't blame you for wanting to cut him. I do want to talk about Herman Marquez a little bit as well. He's been someone who has surprised me over this last really more than a month or so, uh, roughly a month, and I talked about him on Twitter yesterday during his start. So he went six innings, he struck out six, he allowed two earned runs, one walk, and eight hits. At Coors Field against the Cardinals, 
that's a that's quality. I mean, it is a quality start by definition, but that is just throw out the actual six inning three year and run rule. That's a quality performance. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to challenge me on that one too much. When you start to look into it, and when I went on Statcast yesterday during the game, I was surprised because Herman Marquez threw his seven fastest pitches of the season yesterday. He reached ninety nine point six on his four seamer and. What I did here on Twitter is I was talking about his fastball, his slider, and his curveball. And I put down what he's averaging for the season on those pitches versus what he averaged yesterday. So his fastball for the season averages 95.5. Yesterday, it was 97.4 on average. His slider for the season averages 87.2. Yesterday, it averaged 90.3. And his curveball, which is more of a knuckle curve, Averages 86.6 for the season, and yesterday it averaged 88.3. So he had some increased velocity across the board there. With the slider, we're looking at more than three miles per hour. The fastball, just about two. Those are, those are big jumps, especially at this point of the season when most people's arms are starting to wear down a little bit. That's a really great thing to see. Now, if you look at the last month, uh, since July 10th, in six games, which is 37 and two-thirds innings, he has a 3.15 ERA. That is... About as good as you're going to find for just, you know, a Colorado pitcher in particular, but one who's just not really rostered. Uh, there's definitely value for him as an away streamer. Now, I know he did well yesterday at home. I wouldn't be chancing fate so much here in the last month of the season or so, especially if you are one of those fringe teams that, you know, needs to make a push into the playoffs. But if you're talking about away streamers, uh, I'm definitely looking at Marquez anytime there is a chance rest of season. Away from Coors. Even at Coors, maybe with the right opponent. But if you look at his home and away splits, this was coming into yesterday. So at home, he has a 6.11 ERA. His slash line is 3.04, 3.44, and 5.40. So a 3.04 average against, 3.44 on base, 5.40 slugging. And he's allowed 14 home runs at Coors Field. Away from Coors, he has a 407 ERA, a 224 batting average against, 311 OBP, and 383 slugging. I know I said a lot of numbers there, so go check out my Twitter. It's a tweet from yesterday. Uh, when did I tweet this out? Yesterday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. He's only allowed six home runs away from Coors as well. And I, I know it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of numbers. Go check it out visually. I think it's, it looks a lot better when you do it like that. I just want to highlight her man one more time because... There aren't so many great pitchers available on the wire. And the ones that are available, you know, Edward Cabrera is available today. And, you know, he shouldn't even really be. But give it a couple days and he won't be. A guy like Marquez is not somebody that's going to be, you know, a hot commodity. He's going to get scooped up by everybody. He's just not. He's going to be someone who is going to sit there on the wire for the most part for the rest of the season. And you can take advantage of him in your leagues and stream him up. I want to take a look at his roster percentage really quickly. It's not very high, 33% on Yahoo. Odds are you can find him, and most people aren't going to care because for the season, he's a 5.08 ERA. And I want to point out that Michael Govier, my friend, was the first person to talk about this a couple of months ago on, I forget if it was in, on his podcast or when he, when he was uh, guesting here, which would have been, I guess, May or early June. But he pointed out Marquez was looking very good, and some of the same arguments that I'm pointing out here, that away from Coors, he's someone that you guys should really be looking at. So shout out Govier, and also congrats to Govier on his new gig with FTN. If you guys know Michael Govier, he is a great dude. If you don't, go check him out on Twitter. Great guy, Palazzo Podcast. Anyway, he's got a new role with FTN Fantasy, really happy for him. But he was on her man Marquez before I was, before a lot of people were. So shout out there. He's definitely someone to consider on as an away streamer and also 
maybe even on for home games on low volume days or late in the week where you just really need desperation starts. And, you know, Marquez should be remembered for those times. We're going to now talk about the most added and dropped players today. We'll go through, you know, probably if you're new to the show, about seven to ten players who have been added and the most seven or seven or ten most popular drops, I should say. And this first one here kind of ties into a few points that I want to make. So George Kirby has been added by far more than anybody else today. And he's also someone I'm going to get into a little bit later, or maybe I'll just do it now in terms of streamers for today. So what I do every day, you guys who listen know this, I try and find my matchup of the day. And what I do on the weekends is I try and leave you guys on the Friday show with options for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, usually one streamer per day. Now, if there's an abundance of options on the Saturday or Sunday, then maybe I'll throw you two or three. This week, we only really have one per day, and Saturday and Sunday are a little bit thin as well. But for tonight, George Kirby, I understand him being the most added player. He gets the Rangers tonight. He has been on a complete roll as of late. And there's really, I'm just looking at these other matchups here, no one that you're going to want to take a bite on. Most of these guys that we're seeing are either A, like already rostered kind of pitchers who we're talking about, Pablo Lopez, and, you know, your Barrioses and Max Scherzer and those kind of guys. Or you're looking at the other end of the equation with your Bryce Wilsons and Adam Allers and just not, not so many great options today. But George Kirby, he's definitely somebody that I'd be looking into over his last – well, 15 innings, which is three starts. He has pitched to a 1.80 ERA and a .87 whip for the season in 79 in the third innings. He has a 340 ERA, a 1.17 whip. He's facing Texas tonight. I think the matchup is about as good as you're going to find here, so I would be adding up George Kirby if you still can. Vaughn Grisham. I think it's Grisham, but uh, Grissom, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's spelled Grissom, but I think Grisham, like John Grisham, I think that might be how it's pronounced. We talked about him yesterday. He's going to have second base eligibility very soon to go along with what he has right now, which is currently shortstop. Came up, he had a combo meal right in his first game, a home run and a stolen base. He scored twice, he drove in two. Absolutely for me, a 12-team add and deeper, go ahead and take a chance on him there. I've heard some people, and we mentioned this yesterday, say that he can have the same kind of impact that Michael Harris had, which has come up right away and maybe dominate isn't the right word, but produce across all five fantasy categories from from start. So I would be uh, looking into adding Grissom there wherever you can. Rowan Wick has also been added quite a bit. He has saves in three of the last four days, three consecutive games here. If you need a closer, there's not really anybody I'd recommend over Rowan Wick right now. Uh, maybe if you have Felix Batista still available in your league, then you go ahead, but most cases he's already scooped up. Rowan Wick is about as good of an option as you're going to find here. 23% rostered on Yahoo. He's a gift right now floating around on waivers. You should go capitalize on that before it's too late. Jake Odorizzi will be starting tonight against Miami. He's maybe the second best option you're going to find here besides Kirby. I wouldn't be rushing to add him. He's, he doesn't really help you too much in any given place. If you want to... I don't know. I, I don't feel very strongly one way or the other here about Jake Odorizzi. I think he'll probably do fine, but if he were to get blown up either, I wouldn't be surprised here. I think it's kind of a coin toss. But like I said, there's not so many great streaming options tonight, so I'm not going to give you grief for adding Odorizzi. I just think keep the expectations pretty low. There's not going to be so much going on there, I don't think. Vinny Pasquantino has been added up a little bit. Still only 18% rostered. 
but we've seen the power start to come alive recently. Three home runs this last week. He's batting 391 in that time frame. Yes, he's only eligible at first base. It might hold you back in your standard league from being able to add him where, you know, you don't have those corner infield slots. But if you do have either, A, those corner infield spots, or you have utility slots, multiple first base, you know, every league has different settings. Standard one first baseman, 12-teamer, maybe it's going to be a little hard. Maybe you won't be able to roster him there. But I'm thinking if you're in a 12-team league with any kind of multiple spots like that, or anything deeper, uh, 14s, 15s, deeper roster construction in 12s. I think in most cases, Vinny should be rostered right now. Only in the shallowest, you know, narrowest of leagues should you not be trying to add him. And I mean, 18% rostered right now, it feels like an insult to him. Definitely should be going up, up, up. MJ Melendez, we talked about him quite a bit recently. He's also been added. I would be going and jumping on it before someone else does in your league. That let's say, I feel like I'm saying it every day, but catcher and outfield designation like that is very rare. Do not let somebody else take advantage. Let's talk about some of the drops. Nick Lodolo, he's been dropped quite a bit. It's been a couple of rough starts in a row here. He was terrible yesterday, but he allowed four runs over four and two-thirds. I understand if you want to drop him for Edward Cabrera or somebody like that, but I don't think that Nicoladolo is going to hurt you too much down the stretch here. I would be, I would be okay to hold him in most cases. Maybe he's kind of fringy in twelves, but I think anything deeper, I would be holding. If you wanted to swap him out for Edward Cabrera or even Braxton Garrett, I think I'd be okay with that. Uh, but I don't think we need to be running to drop uh, Ladolo here. Kyle Gibson had a pretty decent start yesterday. He only allowed three runs, which two of them were earned in six innings against the Marlins. He was scooped up in, you know, 10% of leagues. Uh, he went from 37 up to 47, and now he's you know, the second most dropped player today. People view him as more of a streamer, which I get. He's not a huge strikeout guy, but he's been pretty solid recently over the last 14 innings he has thrown, which is only two starts, but 193 ERA. The strikeouts are pretty low, so I understand if you want to move on, but I don't think it's a necessary must-drop kind of thing that we see sometimes. Jonathan India, he continues to be dropped. He was hit by a pitch, and there is no fracture in his leg. It's a really good sign. I wouldn't be dropping him yet here. I want to see exactly what the news is. He has not been put on the IL. I'd be holding on here. We've talked about it throughout the season. Second base kind of sucks. Not so many great options there to replace him with. I would probably be holding on here if I were you guys. Merrill Kelly, I don't understand this one. It's not so many leagues, really. We're talking like just shy of a thousand. By the time you guys hear this, maybe a thousand or so leagues will have done it. Uh, but they dropped him after allowing three earned runs in five innings to the Pirates. For the season, he's got a sub three ERA still. The strikeouts are not going to be massively there, no. But he helps you out pretty much every other category. He's getting wins, low ratios. Over the last month, 164 ERA in 33 innings. If you can find better than that on your waiver wire, then by all means, but. I think Merrill Kelly is going to get some down-ballot Cy Young votes. I would not be dropping him. I think that's way premature. Josh Naylor has also been dropped quite a bit, and this is what happens. You have a couple of bad rough or a couple of rough weeks here, which is what he is, five for his last 31, and people move on. I wouldn't be doing it still. I think that Josh Naylor is still able to give you that you know, 280-ish average. You could probably hit five or six more home runs this season. Good RBIs, the odd steal even. I wouldn't be dropping Josh Naylor, especially eligible at first and in the outfield like that. I do not think that you need to be moving on here. Let's talk about those other streamers now for the weekend. So George Kirby for today, I think that he's probably the best. Odorizzi, I think, is probably second best. There's really, I mean, 
it's not a whole lot going on. It reminds me of that Moneyball scene where Brad Pitt says, you know, there's this, there's that, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's like, it almost feels like there's, you know, Kirby, and then maybe Odorizzi, and then 50 feet of crap, and then the other streamers for tonight. It's not great. And even Odorizzi might fall somewhere in that, you know, upper tier crap area. Like, not that he's terrible, but it's really a kind of a weak night for streaming here. If it's not Kirby, then I don't think you really need to bother. Uh, I see Odorizzi as being... Like I said earlier, flip a coin here. It's not. Uh, I don't feel strongly really one way or the other. When we start talking about Saturday, it's not the greatest of days either. I think if I had to pick one here, it would be Dane Dunning against the Mariners, the other side of that matchup on the following day here. He's had a pretty good run here, his last three starts. Not that he's, you know, he's not amazing, Dane Dunning, but he's fairly consistent he usually gets you five or six strikeouts he can go five six innings over his last 18 innings 15 strikeouts and a 2.00 era he's not going to blow you away but there's really nobody pitching this weekend for the most part who is going to blow you away we have reed detmers at home against minnesota if he's still available then you can go ahead and add him absolutely um probably won't be many places but other than that i mean not so much going on here. There's really not. Graham Ashcraft is at home against the Cubs. If you want to take a chance on a great American ballpark start here, I wouldn't personally, but that is an option, I guess. I would be going with Dane Dunning. If you look at Sunday, another day where it's really not so great. I, I spent like a good 45 minutes combing through these matchups this morning trying to figure out who the hell am I going to talk about here for this weekend? Because there's really not much going on. And Sunday, what I have what I have come to here is, if he is available, I think Alex Wood is the best possible ad here. He's about 59% rostered. Uh, odds are in a competitive league, he's not going to be there. But I think he still should be, in most cases, on your waiver wire. Maybe not most, like I just said, obviously 59% rostered. But a lot of cases, he's going to be on the waiver wire. If he's not... Then it's going to be the same uh, streamer that I recommended last weekend. It's going to be Aaron Ashby. It's honestly, truly, there's not much going on here for this weekend. We have those ace guys going. Uh, we have, you know, your Beavers and Gosman, which is a great matchup for Sunday, by the way. Shane Bieber and Kevin Gosman. And you have similar things like that. And we'll talk about the Phillies and the Mets matchup, which is also great. But other than some really good matchups for this weekend, we're looking at crap. We're looking at terrible, terrible matchups. You wouldn't stream them in a 30-team league kind of thing. So that would be where I would stand. Alex Wood, and if he's not available, I think that um, Aaron Ashby would be the best guy for that strikeout upside. Not an easy matchup here by any means against the Cardinals, but I think he gets a bit of a bad rap. The walks are definitely an issue with him. And he has a 2-10 record, which we know you can't really blame the pitcher for the win-loss record. It's still on his, you know, you look at his stats and it's going to be there. But hard to blame him for that exactly. The FIP has been very good. The XFIP very good this season. The ERA is still higher than you would expect, but it's been not really his fault a lot of it. Those strikeout numbers are really great. If you need strikeouts on Sunday, absolutely Aaron Ashby here is the best widely available candidate. Let's talk quickly here before I let you guys go about the Phillies and the Mets. So today, it's Ranger Suarez and Max Scherzer, which is arguably the best matchup today. I think you could you could make that case. There's a couple that are okay, but I think that would be the one I would say. You could maybe argue Odorizzi and Lopez. 
it's like I said, it's not great this weekend. It's pretty slim. Eric Lauer and Jordan Montgomery, uh, Tyler Molly, Patrick Sandoval. It's I think you'd have to probably go just because of Scherzer uh, with the Scherzer and Rangers Suarez matchup. When we're looking at the Saturday Phillies and Mets game, we have Aaron Nola and Jacob deGrom. It's must-see. Absolutely must-see. And then when we go to Sunday, it's another must-see matchup here. Where is it? Zach Wheeler and Chris Bassett. Every game of that series this weekend is going to be must-watch. There will be some playoff implications here. We got to, you know, obviously the Phillies aren't so close to the Mets, but the Phillies win three games this uh, this weekend put themselves into more of a secure wild card spot. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think this is, you know, I usually do like just one matchup of the day here, but that's the matchup of the weekend. That would some that was a series that you got to watch them. You just if you're a fan of baseball, specifically the DeGrom start, you just have to be there for it. Guys, that's going to do it for me. I am up to a friend's cottage this weekend, so I might be a little bit slow on the responding. Going to be having a couple of beers and sleeping in most likely. But shoot your questions. I'll try and get them in uh, in the morning where I can. Just going to shoot this off again. We mentioned it yesterday, and a couple of you reached out, which I really appreciate. We're hiring here at Sports Ethos. We're bringing people on in all major sports, podcasting, writing, whatever it is you want to do to cover a team or to cover you know fantasy, write articles, talk about DFS, you know whatever the hell it is. Shoot me a message specifically. <clears throat> excuse me, specifically on the baseball side. I did have one or two of you guys reach out to me yesterday regarding basketball. The best person for basketball to reach out to, I would say, is Dan Bespris. Uh, he's the host of Fantasy NBA today. I'm sure a lot of you know who Dan is or is sent here by Dan, which I do appreciate. But if you are looking to write about basketball or something, he is probably your best bet. If you're talking about baseball, I would be your best bet. At JoeOrico99, shoot me a message. Maybe you want to cover a team. Maybe you're a huge fan of the Brewers and, you know, you want to podcast about them. Or maybe you want to write a daily fantasy article. Maybe, like I said yesterday, which is a huge something I want to expand into, is a Dynasty Baseball podcast or Dynasty articles, minor league stuff. Anything baseball fantasy related, hit me up on the Bird app at JoeOrico99. That will do it for me, guys. I hope you guys have all the success in the world this weekend, and we will see you back on Monday. Cheers, guys. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.